I hope you've got your Bible. Turn with me to um, John 15, and even though it's on, on the overhead, I hope again that you look in your, in your passage of Scripture and your Bible and feel free to mark down not what I say, but what the Lord Jesus Christ says, and then what the Spirit of God says to you as, as we read and understand this passage of Scripture. I know that this is the fourth week, and we're probably going to spend a couple more Sundays on this, okay? This morning, I'm going to read straight through the text, if possible, and not make any comments like I've had, because by now, I hope that you're getting, um, you're getting used to these words, and they're beginning to penetrate in your heart and mind and mine also. And so let's pray and ask God to, to oversee all this done and bless it, okay? Father, I thank you that we can open the word of God. Lord, help us to trust you that, Lord, it is your word, that this is not a work of man, but it is the work of God Almighty. And most especially, these words recorded that your son spoke to those early disciples Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will take these words and speak to our hearts. And Lord, most especially as Christians and as a church, Father, we need to be busy about abiding in your Son so that we can bear fruit for you. Lord, help us this day as we've studied these last three weeks, these verses. Help us to see if we're really bearing fruit for you. And Lord, help us that we'll yield ourselves completely and totally to your son so that he can abide in us and we can bear fruit for him. Father, please bless us, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. John 15, hours before Jesus was to be tried and put to death, many think it was after the Lord's Supper that Jesus gave these words to those disciples. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And this is a verse that I really love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Last week, we began looking at the three vines that are m mentioned in Scripture, and I'm just going to give, we got through the first two, and I want to quickly mention those one more time. In the Old Testament, the past vine is mentioned. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was intended to be the vine of God. 
And folks, you and I read passages of Scripture out of Psalms, out of Isaiah, Hosea, Jeremiah, where Israel was God's planted vine to bear spiritual fruit and to bear witness for him. But because of their rebellion and sin against God, that kept them from being the fruitful nation and people and witness that God wanted them to be. And you remember that instead of bearing spiritual fruit that glorified God, they produced wild grapes. And that was God's expression to point out that this vine that was intended to bear fruit for the kingdom of God bore wild grapes or grapes that did not honor and glorify God. The second vine that is mentioned, and, and I told you last week I'd never seen this before until studying this passage of Scripture, is the vine of the earth. And let me again read to you these words out of Revelation chapter 14. This is a future vision of God's judgment on the believing earth at the end of the tribulation period. And folks, this is some wake-you-up Scripture because the judgment of God will fall on those who continue to sin and rebel and refuse the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the vision of the end of time, John saw this vine of the earth. Listen to this. Then I looked, and lo, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat upon the cloud, put in your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat upon the cloud swung his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle. Then another angel came out from the altar, the, the angel who had power over fire and he called for a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, put in your sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle on the earth and gathered the vintage of the earth and threw them into the great wine press of the raft of God. And the wine press was trodden outside the city and blood flowed from the wide wine press. And folks, these, this next this next part of the verse is just incredible. Blood flowed because of the wrath and judgment of God upon the sinful, rebellious people. Blood flowed as high as a horse's bridle. Now, I don't know a lot about horses, but most horses are pretty tall, aren't they? And there was so much blood, it flowed for 1,600 stadia. The New International Version Study Bible says 180 miles, and the Revised Standard says this would be equivalent to 200 miles. Folks, take it as you want, but the Word of God tells us that there is a vine of the earth which describes those who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the judgment of God falls upon them. But folks, this morning we want to talk about the third vine, and that is the present vine, and that's where the sermon begins this morning. Look again at John chapter 15, verses 1 and 5, and those two verses are before you on the screen. Jesus says in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And then again in verse 5, I am the vine, and I love this, you, you are the branches. 
not only those 11 disciples, because you remember Judas has left, not only those 11 disciples, but he's saying here that every believer of every generation is one of his branches. And Jesus says, he who abides in me. Now, folks, understand, and we're going to get to what this abiding means, but to bear fruit, we have got to abide in Jesus Christ. We cannot do it of our own. We're not spiritually capable of producing fruit unless we are abiding in Christ. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And, folks, let's look at this for just a minute. Our Lord here is the true vine. And the true vine means that Jesus is the original from which all others are copies. I I was at first, I thought, well, why would he say, why didn't he just say like he did in verse 5, I am the vine. But he uses the word true to say that he is the original from which all others are copies. You know what I believe he's saying? You and I must become a copy of Jesus Christ. And the word Christian, many believe, thinks that it describes someone who is Christ-like or many who would say, a little Jesus. Now, I know that so often we use expressions like that in slang, and I'm not saying that. We perhaps refer to somebody as a little Jesus, as somebody who thinks they know it all and they're perfect. That's not what Jesus is talking about, and that's not what I'm talking about. Folks, we ought to be so full of the Spirit of God that when people see us, guess who they see? They see Jesus Christ, not us. Years ago when I was in seminary, I kept hearing about this great preacher who lived up north. His name was Philip Brooks, and and surely he's been dead for many years, and he pastored one of the most evangelistic churches in the United States at the time that he was ministering. And the congregation wanted um, a picture painted of him so that they could always remember his ministry there. And they got an artist to come in and paint the picture. I've never seen the picture. But the artist came and listened to this man preach and saw him minister to others. And when he painted the picture, it was of this man, Philip Brooks, in the pulpit preaching But standing beside him was a picture of Jesus Christ with his hand on his shoulder. And the artist was trying to say that when he heard Philip Brooks preach and when he seen Philip Brooks minister, he could not help but see the presence of Jesus Christ in his life and all that he did. And folks, do people see Jesus Christ living in us when we leave this building and leave this place? Folks, I believe this is what Jesus is trying to say. And folks, as Christians, we are joined to Jesus in a living relationship as branches. Folks, let me again. Look, this morning, and I cut this off about 6 o'clock. If y'all came by the house and I had the headlights of the truck, I forgot to do it last night. And I'm sure some of the neighbors thought, what is that crazy doing out there pruning a tree at 6 o'clock in the morning? But look, I thought about, I am going, I'm going to kill this, this branch right here because I'm going to cut it off from the tree. 
And folks, don't you and I, we need to understand that when we, when we reject fellowship with Christ, when we reject discipleship, when we reject Christian growth, we are literally severing ourselves off from the vine, and so we cannot bear spiritual fruit. And folks, to me, this is a powerful lesson. I hated to do it. That might have borne an apple or two, but now it's going to be just like that. It's going to be dead. It already is. And folks, here's the point. If you and I really get serious about bearing spiritual fruit for God, guess what? We have got to be intimately joined to Christ in a living relationship. But folks, listen to what Jesus says in verse 1. He says, he is the vine, but he adds something else. My father is the vine dresser, the New International Version says gardener, or the King James says husbandman, which describes the father who cultivates and protects the vine and the branches. And folks, you know, I've always thought one of the most beautiful pictures of God the Father and God the Son are found in John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. And let me read these to you, okay? Just listen to this. Jesus here has talked about being the good shepherd. And he says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. But listen to this, verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now, folks, so often we look at those verses in the context of eternal salvation. But, folks, here's the way I want us to look at those verses this morning. Folks, listen. As Christians, we abide in Christ. We draw our strength from Christ living in us. And also, you and I have God the Father who is taking care of us. And here's again a question. Have you and I placed ourselves in the hand of Christ and also in the hand of God the Father? And folks, one of the most beautiful things about all this, both God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit want to be at work. But folks, abiding in Christ means that our union with Christ is a living one. And I wish that we would get over this thing as Christians we think so often that, that God's only alive on Sunday morning or that that's the only time he wants to have anything to do with us. Do you and I understand that our Lord is alive every day, every moment, and that's the way he wants our relationship to be with him? It is a living relationship. That's why faith in Jesus Christ is not a religion. It is a relationship with God through his son, and it is a living, growing, dynamic relationship, or at least that's what he wants it to be. And also it's a loving union. Folks, there's something in this passage of Scripture that just blesses my soul where Jesus talks about the joy. My joy will in, be in you, and I want your joy to be full. Folks, our Lord wants us to know how much he loves us. And folks, if it were not for knowing the love of God, would any day be worth living in the world that we live in right now? But he loves us so very much. I hope you don't get sick and tired of hearing that, but he does. He loves us. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, he loves you. 
He wants to have a living relationship with you. He wants you to abide in him. He wants to give you strength so that you and I can bear spiritual fruit. And it's also a lasting union. It's a union that will never end. But folks, let me move on. Look at the simple way that Jesus is teaching his disciples and hopefully you and me. Again, in verse 5, excuse me, verse 1, in the first part of verse 5, Jesus is the vine. And in verse 1, God the Father is the vine dresser. So where do you and I, the church, fit in? Again, in the words of Jesus, in the last part of verse 5, you are what? The branches. Now, let me give you some important things about this, I believe, okay? First of all, and, and hang with me for just a second on this. Many of the images of Christ and the believer given in the New Testament are to emphasize the importance of our union with Christ and our communion with Christ. I believe the Apostle Paul really understood this. Remember he says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is past, the new has come. Folks, when you and I trusted Christ as our Savior, guess what? There was a union that was formed between us and the Savior, a union that can never be broken according to the Word of God. But God also, God's Son wants us to have communion with Him. And there are at least three, three figures that emphasize this in the New Testament. And let me quickly and, and again, I'm going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture. Listen as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 14, verse 27. I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. Please listen as I read. Notice that God the Father is mentioned, God the Son is mentioned, God the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And folks, this describes the relationship that Christ wants to have with his church. And he uses, though, the figure of the body, of the human body, and the many members of the human body. Listen to this, and I hope this is going to hit home to all of us, okay? And I'm going to read through it, not rapidly, but quickly. Now, God gives us many kinds of special abilities, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. They're all different kinds of service to God, but it is the same Lord we're serving. There are many ways in which God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work in and through all of us who are his. The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Someone else may be especially good at studying and teaching, and this is his gift from the same Spirit. He gives special faith to another and to someone else the power to heal the sick. He gives power for doing miracles to some and to others, power to prophesy and preach. He gives someone else the power to know whether evil spirits are speaking through those who claim to be giving God's message or whether it is really the Spirit of God who is speaking. Still another person is able to speak in languages he never learned. And others who do not know the language either are given power to understand what he is saying. It is the same and only Holy Spirit who gives all these gifts and powers, deciding which each one of us should have. Our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up only one body when they're put together. So it is with the body of Christ. 
Each of us is a part of the one body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. We have been baptized into Christ's body by the one Spirit and have all been given that same Holy Spirit. Now listen to verse 14, 27. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. Now, here's what I am trying to say. All of you together are the one body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Folks, what is all this about? Cut off from the body, the limbs begin to die. When you and I cut ourselves off from Christ, we seek to bear fruit. And God calls us as individuals to be joined to Christ, to abide in him, but as a body of believers, the church, who, who has many different members with many different gifts, but when we are all empowered and given gifts by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we begin to serve God together. Amen? Amen. And just as God wants us to abide in his son as individuals and grow and bear fruit together as the body of believers, every single person in this church membership, God desires that we come together as a body. And folks, don't you ever dare think that the preacher or the deacon or the Sunday school teacher or whomever you see as a leader in this church does more important work than you do because it is not true. We're all part of the body of Jesus Christ. And that is why it is so important that you and I, all of us, abide in Christ. We're only strong as a church as each one of us is abiding in Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty if you're not abiding in Christ. That's not what I'm saying. But the fruit that you bear is just as important as the fruit that I bear for the kingdom of God. We must abide in Christ individually, but we must abide in Christ together as a body of believers. And, folks, I believe this is another one of the figures in the New Testament. These other two I'll give to you quickly, okay? The bride and the groom. You know, isn't that a beautiful concept? That the church is what? The bride of Christ. But you know what that means? That means that just as a bridegroom loves his bride, Jesus Christ loves his church. Isn't that a beautiful thought? You know, the bridegroom always gets, uh, the bride always gets dressed up for her groom, for her husband to be. How do we dress up for our Lord? He's the head of the church. He is the bridegroom of the church. He's coming back again for us. Are we dressed in the fleshly things of this world? Are we dressed in that spiritual armor that God wants us to have? A third illustration in Scripture is the sheep and the shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. Folks, listen to this. The shepherd brings the sheep into the fold and flock, but the sheep must follow the shepherd in order to have provision and strength. Folks, the shepherd has brought us into his eternal heavenly flock, but you and I must follow the shepherd. Give me just a couple more minutes because I want to get to the second point. So Jesus says... In using symbolism, we are the branches. He is the vine. We are the branches. Let me give you just a couple of things to meditate on for next Sunday, okay? 
of itself, a branch is weak and useless. The branch cannot produce his own life. You know, I remember when I planted this apple tree 27 years ago, it's just like a little old stick. You've done that. But as God sends rain and the soil has the nutrients and God sends the sunshine, guess what? Those little sticks that we plant begin to bear what? Branches. It's not the branch that comes first. It is the vine. And you and I must understand that we cannot produce spiritual fruit in our life of our own. We must be united to Christ. We must draw our strength and our life from the vine. And again, it goes back to the fact that it is our union and communion with Christ, with the Father, and with the Holy Spirit that makes the bearing of fruit possible. And the sooner we believe, the sooner as believers we discover that we are but the branches, the, the better we'll relate to the Lord. Because, folks, without the Lord, what can we do? Nothing. And if you're not at that point yet, folks, that's a great lesson we must learn. Without Christ, we can do nothing but with Christ. What can we do? Listen, Philippians 4.13. I love this verse. Listen to this. I can do all things through Christ. You know, I hope God's going to give us time to have interviews with people out of the Bible. You know that? I want to ask Moses about that burning bush. I believe. I, that's not that I don't. Can you imagine Moses seeing that burning bush? But I want to ask Paul. Paul, all that knowledge that you had about abiding in Christ, about being a man in Christ, about being strengthened through Christ, and you see, apparently Paul was living during the ministry of Jesus, but Paul must have not been anywhere around, and I think deliberately. But somehow the word and the teaching of Jesus got to Paul. But until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and had that life-changing experience and had that infusion of Jesus Christ coming into his heart, he couldn't do anything but boast of his own self-righteousness. But when he got connected to Christ, there was nothing he could not do through Christ who strengthens him. Now, folks, I've I, I run out of time, but y'all going to get sick and tired of seeing these two branches, aren't you? Let's, let's admit it. Sometimes this is us, isn't it? Dead as doornails, it seems. And again, I'm trying to get you to remember this was on, joined to the limb. You know, as long as this limb is joined, it's gonna, it has the potential of bearing fruit. Let me tell you something. You know what I believe we need to do? We just simply need to recommit ourselves to the Lord. We need to say, Lord, I want to get joined back to you again. I cut myself off, Lord. I kind of pushed you aside. Again, these words, just go through this passage of Scripture. Jesus is so much to the point. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me and I in you, and you will bear 
much fruit. Is that not simple? Is it not profound? May God help us that we will abide in Christ. Next Sunday, we'll talk about what abiding in Christ means. Okay. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the words of your son in John 15. Perhaps for all of us, Lord, as Christians, we want to bear fruit for you. But, Father, we get so easily sidetracked. We get caught up in our our world and in a world that says spiritual things really aren't that important. And so often we were so greedy with our own life and most especially with our hearts that we want to be in control and we don't want to yield to you, Lord. But Father, I pray that you would, you would help us to see that you want to abide in us. You want to bear fruit through us, not only as individuals, but Lord, as a church. And I just pray that we'll be willing to pay the price, that we will commit ourselves to you afresh and anew, that we would join ourselves back up to you, Lord, and submit to your lordship. And we would desire to be a witness for you in all that we do. Words are so cheap, Father, but commitment is so hard. So help us, Lord, that we'll make these commitments. And help us, Lord, as individuals and as a church to bear spiritual fruit. And help, Father, that when people see us, they will see Jesus Christ living in us. In these moments of invitation, we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be given freedom to speak. I pray, Father, that if there are those here, whether they would be young or old, that need to make a commitment to you for the first time to acknowledge that they are a sinner and be willing to repent and turn away from sin and trust you as their personal Savior. I pray, Father, you'd give them the courage to do that. And, Father, I pray for we who are Christians. Oh, God, it's so easy to come week after week and not just hear the preaching, Lord, but to hear the word of God and not respond. Father, may the words of your Son find a home in our hearts. And may we make new commitments, Father, to be a people that are bearing fruit for you. Bless in these moments of invitation, Father, and may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn this morning is number six, How Great Thou Art. Today, again, if the Spirit of God leads you, would you come? If the Spirit of God is not leading you, don't come. But if he is, if you need to simply come, you don't have to speak to me. If you want to just come and kneel at the altar, whatever you need to do. As we stand together, let us sing.